1: You had to turn me off. You talk too much during Chris's? <laughs> We're going to have to redo Chris. What? Well, I talk too much of Chris's? The That's what he's one? saying. He's saying that. I've zoned
0: out for a minute.
2: Mike stands kind of in the way. It's just, it's just a little. <laughs> Hello. His arm's standing there. I know.
0: Check, check. I'm going to turn you up. That's not too bad, is it? <laughs>
2: no, We got cat not. hair in here or what? Cat hair? Well, I don't know.
1: How old yeah. are Brittany and Kaylee?
2: Brittany's will be 32 this year. Kaylee just turned 28.
1: Holy cow.
2: My children are old. Makes me feel very old, even though I'm not.
1: No. No, you're a young lad. Yeah,
2: I don't feel old.
1: Were you raised by your
2: mom? Yeah, pretty much. Parents divorced when I was eight or nine. And I didn't see my dad much.
1: Tell us about this chili cook-off you won. What was in your recipe?
2: anything that i could find was it spicy yes (laughs) hot spicy i didn't think it was hot hot spicy but other people do but i like spicy
0: you're telling me you don't have a recipe
2: no, I don't have a recipe. You
1: just you won the chili
2: cook-off. Just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Mm-hmm.
1: And a little more of that. Zing. Yeah. That's, I'm not that cook.
2: That's how I cook. Do you? Yeah, that, I can't bake.
0: See, I'm the opposite. I love to bake cuz everything's precise. Yeah. You need See, a quarter I, teaspoon of this, you know? Can't do it. Why? It's just fun. So don't sign directions. you
1: up for the cookie bake off.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> no, cuz
1: You want to trade recipes with me who, this time?
2: Who knows what'll be in there.
1: Where's your trophy at?
2: Sitting next to me. <laughs>
0: by your armchair oh you I thought he meant right now I was like wait you brought it where is
1: it <laughs> nah, we're... I told him I need a picture with that trophy only he wasn't smiling he looked so minister Sinis- sinister sinister
2: <laughs> I looked like a minister he looks like you knew what I
1: meant oh my Holy goodness <laughs> okay here's the deal Ed Ed oh my gosh this could be a really long night Ed is, is a ninja night, Ed? ninja editor oh. A ninja editor? You yeah. just nicknamed me Ed accidentally. <laughs> Ed's a ninja editor, so.
0: You should have been like, Ed's a ninja cat editor. That would be perfect.
1: You knew exactly what I was I saying.
0: Did.
2: Man,
1: it's not even midnight. <laughs>
2: do you get a new name every week?
1: Some
0: Ooh, weeks yeah. I, I Last do. Last couple night. of weeks, we've been just sticking be with the With the norm. Are you as laid back as you look right now?
2: Probably.
1: All right, let's go. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. It's Jane. It's Ed. And we are here with the 2020-22 Upper Room Fellowship Men's Chili Cook-Off Champion, James Ingle. <laughs> <Yeah! laughs> the, <crowd. laughs> the crowd
2: goes wild. <laughs> <laughs> I did
1: not get to vote or taste it yeah you had some competition there too kevin was he was coming after you do you put your beans in your chili or mm-hmm. are you just and corn
2: no i do not put corn in my chili why not corn doesn't belong in chili did you make cornbread did, did i make cornbread no i usually do i
1: feel like cornbread was that served with it i did they cornbread make it yeah sometimes. there was cornbread oh, okay
2: good There was a bunch of cornbread there.
1: You guys did good. But anyhow, congratulations. Well, thank you. We feel so honored to have you on our show. Champion status. (laughs) Sign my purse. (laughs) James was born in Warren, Ohio and raised in Columbiana, Ohio. He lived in Sharon, PA for kindergarten and first grade. And then he was back to Columbiana from second grade through graduation. How much better is Ohio than Pennsylvania?
2: I don't know I was a kid Gosh, oh you're supposed to say so much better greatness. well, I, I was a kid I was four and, <laughs> four and six years you were old happy you wherever know. you were I liked right. it. I had friends there was grass there was trees there the was weather was the similar <laughs> there was a hill to sled ride on, you know yeah.
0: they've got great hills. it is true better than
2: here actually. well Ohio is pretty nice to live in
1: all right it's the best. He Why went to college in Ohio. He spent some time at Balden Wallace and YSU. He's been a jack of all trades. He's worked in restaurants, banks. He's been a delivery driver, a painter, a powder coater, a bouncer, a bartender. He's currently disabled due to...
2: I broke my back, my sacrum to be precise. When you were bouncing people? No, when I was working at the powder coders. Well, that's
1: not as exciting as if you were a bouncer, but anyhow, do
2: tell. No, I almost had somebody try to shoot me when I was a bouncer. You know, you're young. But you broke your back. Yes, I did. I broke my sacrum. They're still not exactly sure how I did it, because it's an old people's fracture. And they ran all kinds of tests, couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out. Here I am five years later now with some other problems that go on top of the the broken back. It aggravated a 30-year-old injury, drove me to depression and anxiety. It's been a rough five years mentally, as well as physically, but it's also given me a chance to uh, spend more time with my grandchildren and be there, be there for um, whatever the need is in the family. I, I can be there and take them on a walk, drive them someplace, pick them up from someplace, make sure that everybody's on time for whatever it is that they need to be on time for.
1: Are you grandpa or papa or? I
2: am grampy and papa, grampy so, and papa.
1: Speaking of children, James has two daughters, Brittany and Kaylee. James has been married to Deanne for almost 10 years. Deanne was on our podcast, which aired... This week, Monday, March 7th. So if you missed her story, make sure you check it out. Deanne has three sons who James claims as his own as well. Zach, Patrick, and Ben. And they have four grandbabies and one on the way. James has been at the upper room since he was a young lad. He used to come with his mom, Sally Ingle, And he remembers being at the Kreidler building. And then at Joshua Dixon.
2: And then Joshua Dixon, I remember really well.
1: And then here on Sponsella Road. In middle school and high school, he did a lot of church shopping, hopping with his friends. He went to church with a lot of his friends. And when he went off to college, he stopped going completely. Then he made a full-time, full-time comeback in his late 20s. And he has been here ever since for the last 23 or 24 years. James is often one of our cooks, one of our cooks for our Easter Sunday
2: breakfast every year.
1: Did you cook for the congregational?
2: No, I. Anyways, well, no, nah, yeah. You do
0: usually see him in there
2: with the hip replacement. I'm... Oh yeah, yeah. In December, he's,
1: a, he's the bionicle man now. In... Bionicle? I can't talk tonight. <laughs> just, just oh my bionic. gosh! He's the <laughs> he's bionic man with a new hip.
2: I'm gonna have a new knee this year too. That's the goal. Uh, can they give gosh. you a new back? If only. That would make my life so much better. <laughs> I've lived with back pain for 30 years, 30 plus years since I first heard it. It is what it is. You get used to it. I'm tired of it. I'm getting older. Not liking the pain as much as when I was in my 20s or 30s or even 40. Yeah. Now that I'm getting older, I'm just done with pain. I'm ready for that heavenly body. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh.
2: I don't want to go to heaven yet. I just want the heavenly body.
1: Well, anyhow, bionic man is waiting for his heavenly body. We're really glad you joined us today. So thanks for coming. Well,
2: thank you for inviting me.
1: So tell us, James, who or what turned your light on?
2: What turned my light on? It would be my mother. I've been a Christian all my life, as far as I can tell. I gave my life to Christ probably when I was five years old. And we went to a Methodist church. I came back to Columbia, and we went to the Methodist church there for a short period of time. And then, then mom started church hopping herself. And that's how we ended up at the upper room. It's a Krydler building. So really it's my mom that turned my light on. Over the years, there have been different points in my, my relationship with God to where I was a Christian, but I wasn't God's friend. I didn't think of him as a friend. I thought Him a of him as an overlord.
0: Mm, That's interesting.
2: And I mean, that's how you were brought up in the church at the time. I mean, it was God was up here. You were down here. Here's a set of rules that you have to follow to be good, to make it to heaven. And Jesus made the sacrifice to make it easier. You know, a lot, lot of what you got taught when you were younger, when I was younger, was fire and brimstone. You know, it was the Old Testament. Then of course, Easter and Christmas, you'd you hear the easter story or the christmas story but the rest of the year it was thou shall not kill thou shall not do this thou shall not do that thou shall not you know which drove me to when i was in middle school to hop around some churches you know to to see what else was out there to see what i was doing right or what i was doing wrong and and what i found in those years was there's a lot of hypocrites in church went to church for four or five years in middle school and high, high school, you'd hear these people talking in church about God and religion and, you know, thou shalt not and thou shalt this and you should be good. And, and then you see them in the real world during the week and they're completely opposite. And you think, you know, that person just yelled at me at church on Sunday. It started making me question religion. That's why when I was in college, I kind of stepped away from organized religion. I still believed in God. I still trusted in God. I still believe Jesus was my Savior. I rededicated my life to Christ in high school, at a church camp, Santa Hills Church Camp. But what I knew from Jesus wasn't what was in the church. So I just kind of walked away from the church. Thought, what's the big deal? It's Sunday. You know, what, what do I need that for? I already pray. I talk to God every day. I know he takes care of me. Why do I need to hang out with hypocrites? So I walked away from the church. I got married to my first wife. We had kids and I thought, you know what? I need to I need to bring these children up in the church. I can't teach them everything they need to know about God. They need to see it for themselves and we started going to uh, her grandparents church. I think we went there for 2 or 3 years if even that. Then we moved to Columbiana because we wanted the kids in Columbiana schools. So that's when we started coming. I came started coming back to the upper room. So that was 96 97ish. And I've been here ever since. And like I said there's there's been people all along that line. My mom that turned on the light There were people at church camp that brightened my light. There was the realization that Jesus was my friend and not an overlord.
0: When did that finally hit?
2: You know, I think it it finally sunk in maybe 10 years ago. Before that, I knew I had a relationship. It was a relationship, but, but like 10 years ago, it really sunk in that God was my friend. He's here beside me. I can talk to him at any time. I don't have to say, Dear Heavenly Father, Master of the Universe, please come down, protect me in this situation.
1: So you worked out the religious stuff then?
2: Yeah, I worked out the (laughs) religious stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So James, you mentioned that because of your back pain, that that kind of brought you to a place where you were suffering depression and anxiety. How was Jesus your friend during that season of your life?
2: He's what gets me through. If I didn't have Jesus, I wouldn't be here today. I guarantee it. Because I I struggle. I struggle daily with suicidal thoughts. Not as much as I, I did. I've gone to counseling and I am medicated now, so I'm normal. Never be normal. You're stable. (laughs) Stable, yeah. I don't want to be normal. If normal is how some people act, I don't want to be that. I like being abnormal because he's my friend. I mean, when I think about that, I think about my family. I think about my two grandchildren. And I think, would Jesus want me to do that? Would he want me to leave? Leave these two little babies? Not that they're babies anymore, but still my babies. Yeah. <laughs> so, I know he's there. I know I can rely on him. I know that he's going to keep me from being in that deepest darkest place for long. Cuz I do go to that place sometimes, but he helps lift me out of it by putting a support system around me. It's good to have a counselor and a and a psychologist. Psychiatric lady. <laughs> pill prescriber. <laughs>
0: I mean, I really appreciate that you're able to talk about that Jesus is my friend and he'll keep me from that deepest darkness. But I also am aware that I need those boundaries of good friends and I need counseling and psychologists and sometimes medication because those are the things that are there to help
1: us.
2: Right, right.
0: I just feel like sometimes we're like, I'm a Christian. I'm just going to grin and bear it. I'm a Christian. I'm going to, I'm just going to charge through, you know, and because all of that's wisdom.
2: Yeah. And and I've had some people tell me, well, you're a Christian. Why, why are you depressed? Why are you anxious? It's a defect in my brain. (laughs) It's it's a thought that gets entangled in there. Well,
1: you're also living in a season of prolonged pain.
2: And if I was pure and holy, I would be Jesus, so, and I'm not. I mean, I have my stumbles. I am not Joe Christian with my shiny armor on every day.
0: Well, it makes me think about even Chris's word last week, just talking about unanswered prayers. You know, that God doesn't necessarily answer all of our prayers or give us what we want and how Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. Right. You will experience difficulty, pain, pain, That's a statement. That's a promise. So those things will happen. And so to say that we're Christians, we're just going to grin and bear it
2: is... Is ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, truly.
0: I mean, we have him.
2: And we have the Holy Spirit.
0: And the Holy Spirit, which is everything. The wisdom in all the... Guardrails? Guardrails. Yes, just the wisdom in all the guardrails.
2: Yeah. So good. And the the guidance of other people. I mean, God didn't put psychologists and doctors on on this earth not to do what they do
1: well when mel was here and we were talking about communication she mentioned that some of the hardest people that she works with are christians who don't deal with the reality and they're just like oh i've got jesus i'm fine everything is fine and you know she starts talking to them and she's like "Mm, no you're not fine (laughs) you're not fine. And they, you know, they kind of hide behind Jesus because they feel like that's what they're supposed to say, right? right? They're still hurting and there's still pain and maybe they haven't gotten through things. And she said, some of those are the hardest clients because you have to unwind all that religion. This isn't Jesus, but it's religion that has been telling us, why are you depressed? Why do you have anxiety? You're a Christian, you shouldn't be. And so unwinding all of that, getting to the core of hey, you need some help, we need to do some work here. And yes, Jesus is your friend and yes, Jesus saves and yes, Jesus heals. But sometimes it's in the form of counseling, it's in the form of doing work on your mental health. Right. And it, you know, I, I keep saying this, there's not a magic wand. We live in this fallen world and sometimes we have to work through things. And when we use religion as a, a screen of, oh no, no, everything's fine you know the thief comes to steal kill and destroy but Jesus comes to give life and give it to us to the full when we're in those situations where we're not letting Jesus heal us save us deliver us that's when satan's like i'm i'm winning i'm stealing
2: exactly yeah and that's another one of the things in the church that is now changing i think i think we are as the upper room changing that culture of the stigma of mental illness it's a little more out there than, than it used to be. It used to be, well, you're a Christian. Why now it's more, I don't want to say it's accepted because I don't think it's accepted quite yet. It's acknowledged. It's acknowledged. It's seen by other people. Even when me and Greg went to the mental health thing down in Lisbon, been a while, I think it was before COVID. We went down and did that so that we could bring that back to the church mm-hmm. that Greg asked me, because he knew my struggles, and he said, would you be willing to talk to somebody that's having similar issues? And I said, if somebody doesn't want to open up to one of the pastors about it or, you know, whatever, Mm. you can send them to me. I mean, I may not have all the answers for them, but at least I can relate to them. I was going to say, but experience counts for... Yeah. One thing that has taught me is empathy for others that struggle so I can relate to them. Sit there and talk to them and, you know, let them know how I've dealt with it, how counseling has helped me, how medication has helped me. And it's it's not, oh, my gosh, I need to hide this in a closet.
1: Yeah, well, we've had lots of folks on the Shine podcast that have talked about anxiety and depression and mental illness and how it has been a part of their journey. And even though that is something that has marked them or it's been with them, they still have incredible stories and testimonies about how God is using them.
2: Yeah, God uses us all no matter where we are, no matter what time of day it is, what time of night it is. Might be midnight, might get a phone call.
1: Yeah, they're not calling me at midnight. Are you up at midnight? That's what
2: right I hear. Am I up at midnight? Uh, not so much anymore. We can call James at 10. You can call me at midnight.
0: I was going to say, I bet you can call him
2: at midnight. You He'd can be call okay. call me at midnight, but I ain't going to answer the phone because no. I got it on silent.
0: But I mean, thinking about what you were talking about earlier, just the idea that you struggled with church and the seeming hypocrisy inside of it but when you think about it the answer for so much of that is the empathy you're talking about right being able to extend that and understand that and live that in the midst of other people
2: yeah and hypocrites are everywhere they are they're in the church they're in the religion circle not just us as a church but the church as a whole You see a lot of that by some of these crazy churches that give Christians a bad name. It's just terrible when people go, oh, you're a Christian. You're nuts. No, not really. You might be a little nuts for not being a Christian.
1: Makes me think of, you know, they'll know we're Christians by our love, not by how many rules we follow, but really by our love. And that's that's really what Jesus calls us to do is to love people. And Jesus has the answer for us. Yeah, he does. Sometimes it's just we've got a lot of things to wade through
2: to get there. Just show them love. Show them empathy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, be, be empathetic for their plight. So tell us, James, what lights you up? What lights me up? Uh, lots of things light me up. My family, my grandchildren, my children, my wife, sports.
0: <laughs> Who's your favorite team?
2: Kansas City Chiefs.
0: I think we all could have told you that.
2: <laughs> Maybe.
0: <laughs>
2: Do I wear my coat everywhere? Your coat, oh. your
1: scarf, your your T-shirts, your sweatshirts. your.
2: <laughs> sports really lights me up. And And
1: so you were a football player.
2: I was a football player. I played football, played a defensive tackle. I really liked hitting quarterbacks. I I did enjoy playing football a lot. I I really, in high school, had a plan that I was going to the NFL. Now that didn't happen, but I did have a plan. (laughs) That is one of the things I did in high school.
0: That's awesome. I mean, that means you loved it a
2: lot. Yeah, I did. I really (laughs) did. Baldwin Wallace really broke my spirit. They truly did. They recruited me. They said that I'd have a chance to play all four years. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going. And then they didn't even bring me in with the early freshmen. Got a real bad concussion playing. Wow. Do
1: you feel like you've been able to forgive them for that?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just concentrated on backyard sports and the upper room softball team.
0: We were just Talking about that last night. We're having dinner and discussing all of our memories of the Upper Room softball team and how fun that was. It was so fun. It was a great time. It was. All the guys playing. It was so fun to watch.
2: It was a good time. I missed that. Yeah. Although I couldn't do it now. (laughs) I have too many bionic parts. (laughs) Too many bionic
0: parts. Anyway, sorry. What else do you love?
2: (laughs) Family lights me up probably the most. I mean, my girls have always been the light of you know I would do anything for them, anything that I could do. There are things that you want to do that you can't because money restricts it, but anything that they need or or want, I gave them as kids i you know I worked hard to give them exceedingly good childhoods or what I perceive to be good childhoods. It's debatable whether whether my, my view of their childhood was good and their view of their childhood was good. Because I was also the disciplinarian. So they light me up. My grandchildren light me up. I, I love playing with my my grandchildren. I love playing with double A's every day while Violet's at school. And I just get such a kick out of her. I it's without words, she brings so much joy to my life. If there's if I'm in a dark spot That child can bring me joy like that just because she's and she's getting sillier, you know, as she's developing her personality. And, you know, she's not not so much of a mimic of her sister. She's getting her own her own little groove going on. She's quite funny. And Violet, she's just such a sweet child when she wants to be. She's going to be a handful. When she's a teenager.
1: Don't speak that over her now. Um, Start speaking life. She's I, gonna
2: be amazing. She's she is gonna be amazing, but she's gonna be a handful. <laughs> All those things. <laughs> she's smart, she's sassy, she's pretty, she's gonna be a handful. When she's a teenager. <laughs> I've already done it twice. I know how this works. I've done this already with two girls. They were a little more gapped in age, but and there are some days where I have a hard time not calling them Brittany and Kaylee. When they're doing something wrong or, you, or even when they're doing something right, it, I have caught myself several times almost saying the wrong because their personalities line up a lot with Brittany and Kaylee. Same type at that age. Old man fog brain. Forgetting names. I, I have almost called them the wrong name, which they would probably go, what?
1: So James, tell us how... Are you letting your light shine in this season of your life?
2: That's a good question. I've been wondering that myself ever since since I got this question. You know, you gave me the inside scoop on what you were going to ask me. You know what? I'm not sure how I'm letting my light shine in this this season of my life. I think that I show people more love now than I ever have. So I would say that that would have to be how I'm letting my, my light shine is through the love that I, I show people. The empathy That is one of those things. There was a while in my life where I would go to the other side of the street if somebody was walking down the same side as I would.
1: (laughs) That you didn't like or just in general? Just
2: in general. (laughs) Just (laughs) Just in general. Avoid people at all costs. Uh, Yeah, it was an avoid people at all costs type thing. Yeah. (laughs) So now uh, I don't go out of my way to avoid people, (laughs) but I, I try to let that. The love of christ show through me Mm. wherever i am whether it be at the supermarket whether it be at a restaurant try to show that love that that sincere love not not the i love you not the you know that the fake love but the real genuine love care and concern for somebody that's how i would say i'm letting my light shine in this period of my life is just by the love I show while I'm out, and also
1: with your family.
2: Yeah, and with my family. Because
1: sometimes it's easy to love strangers for moments, but the real work is in the home with the family, the folks that you're with right. all the time. And you know, you and Deanne are raising grandkids right now that are living with you, and giving them a stable, loving
2: role models is is really important. You know, that's one of the reasons we're doing it too. I mean their parents are they're like dynamite in a match putting them together is explosive it's a good thing that they're not together anymore it is good to have the grandbabies in me and deanne's life to show them how we can be a family unit how love should be in the family unit how um discipline you can discipline your child and love them at the same time you don't have to be the angry discipliner You can discipline and love. You can tell them why you discipline them, and you should tell them why you discipline them. You shouldn't just discipline, but that that shows them that you love them enough to explain to them, oh, that's why, you know, you sent me to the corner, you sent me to sit down and time out, you took away my tablet, whatever.
0: I just appreciate the example, even if it seems small or, you know, a couple of little kids in your home, it's huge. This is an example of a healthy relationship. This is an example of a grandma slash mama in the home. This is an example of a grandpa slash dada in the home. This is how a home is run. This is how normal relationships look like this. All of those things, that kind of stuff lasts forever. And statistics show gives children a huge heads up on life, just having a man and a woman in the house or having a good example.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I grew up without a father, so I know I know the other side of the coin, you know, where if it's just one parent and they have to be two two parents at one time, you know, and I did that with my girls, too, as a single parent. You know, I had to be both parents at the same time. Luckily, they were older when that happened, so that wasn't so bad. Brittany was a very mature 17-year-old. I mean, she had her head screwed on straight. She picked up a lot of responsibility at that time, you know, when it was just me being the parent.
0: But it's interesting because last week when we were talking to Deanne, she was just saying that time has grown so much patience in her. And it's interesting to hear that you're saying, you know, over time, love has grown so much in you or the, the ability to feel and show empathy. And so at this point, with Deanne, patient maturity and with you, empathetic maturity, how you're having people in your home or raising those grandbabies in maturity in those areas is really good and right. beautiful.
2: Yeah. It's stretched my patience <laughs> at times. And that, and it's a good thing that I think both of us are more patient than I, I know. I am more patient now than I was in my 20s. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. I. God has worked on my patience 30 years. (laughs) Thankfully, he, he loves me enough to do that.
0: I was just listening to this podcast today. Peter Lewis was being interviewed and I like him. But Peter Lewis was saying, you know, sin in our lives oftentimes takes a long time to really work itself out. Sin inside of us, oftentimes the repercussions of that isn't immediate. You know, sin inside of us, there are repercussions that show up years later or, you know what I mean, decades later. And he was asking as he was being interviewed, why are we so surprised that our salvation is different? Sin sometimes takes such a long time to play out. We want to be overnight saved and perfect. But salvation works itself out much like sin where it's just time. You were saying, you know, I'm so much more patient. God's walked me through this hmm, 30 year <laughs> experience of growing yeah. in patience where Paul talks about working out our salvation and how it's not an overnight thing. It's decades oftentimes of
1: God working in
0: us. Yeah. Well,
1: and I, I think it's so interesting because you're not the first person who has said this. It's like you sat in church for years and years and years and your view of God, your words was he was an overlord. Right. But like, there's something that happens and people have this revelation that like, no, it's not about the religion. It's not about the the rules. It's about him wanting a relationship with us. And yes, he wants to be our friend, but he also wants to be our Lord and our savior. It's all. It's it's not just hey you're my buddy and let's go do whatever I want yeah (laughs) you know it's us not come on let's go party you know first it starts with you know making him our savior but letting him be the lord of our lives and then you become friends and I think sometimes it takes some of us longer to get that revelation than others and I just want people to keep hearing that like Jesus loves you he wants a relationship with you he doesn't want to leave you where you are. And there's a lot of grace, but he doesn't want to leave us where we are. No. He wants us to live fulfilling lives. And it's us making that decision that, yes, you're gonna be my savior, yes, you're gonna be the Lord of my life, and yes, I want you to be my friend. Right. Or I want to be your friend, Jesus.
2: Uh, yeah, but I that want to only be your comes
1: <laughs> that only comes after you've made him Lord. That's good.
2: It's one of those things where in my past, you know, the overlord and then realizing that Jesus was my savior and then Jesus was my friend you come across that in your life and 30 years of patience. He's, he's worked on other things, you know, in me too, but I'll never get to that perfect point until I'm not here on this earth. I've learned to temper my expectations about that as well. You know, I'm not going to be the perfect Christian. I am not going to be the perfect man. I am going to make mistakes. I'm going to screw up with that. You know, he is always here. He he is my friend. I consider Jesus my friend. I, I don't consider him to be some far off God. I consider him to be my friend. And without that, really, there's there's nothing else. You know, the the patience wouldn't be there. The the love wouldn't be there. Like I told you, I would avoid people at all costs. And now I, I would rather run into people, you know, hmm. not all the time. There are some times I, I avoid people.
0: Have you had a supernatural experience that you can share with us, whether it is with people
2: or not with people? (laughs) Supernatural experience. Yeah, Um, I've had a lot of supernatural experiences. I mean, God works amazingly in my life every day. Every day is a miracle. But the one that that shows out, well, there's two and they're from they're both from the mission trip we took to New Mexico. Mike Manchi, God love his I, I love, love Mike Manchy.
0: Mike, we love
1: you. I miss Mike. Mike
2: Manchie, we do miss you. Mike is such a a staunch scientist fact toyed Christian. And um, me and him were praying for for a Navajo girl who had pink eye. And her eye was all swollen and pussy and bad. And I started praying for her and Mike started praying for it, And her eye cleared up. I thought Mike was going to have a heart attack. But in Christ, we believe that, and that that happened. And then later in that trip, we had a a gathering at the compound with some of the Navajos. One of the the young boys had a real bad heart murmur. Prayed for him, and while I was praying, I I could feel God moving through me and elect, and it put his heart back in rhythm. As far as I know, he's good to this day. One of the things about that is the Navajo Nation They're much more open to spiritual than a lot of people because, I mean, their ancestors believed in that more, be the spirituality of God or not, but they believe in the spiritual supernatural. So they're more willing to accept a miracle like that. They're wholeheartedly believing that you're going to heal them. So that was cool. And like I said, every day, there's a miracle in my life every day. Waking up every day is a miracle. <laughs> I mean, that, that sounds contrite, but I mean, it really is. I mean, it, it brings new opportunities to see what God is is doing in in my life, in my family's life. I know I've prayed for some people at church. You know, I some of some of them I don't know what the outcome was. So that's not it's not really my uh, territory, right? <laughs> you know, God tells me to pray, and I pray, and I that's right. Give them. Give them what I have. And if they feel the need to come tell me, that's fine. But I'm not going to go and pester them.
0: Appreciate that outlook. I think that we should generally have that outlook where obedience is my responsibility. The outcome is God's responsibility. You were obedient to do what he's asked, to pray, to ask for healing.
2: You know, the same thing with Family Fun Day. Remember that from way back when. Sure do. A lot of that was me and Bob doing stuff and... The Sunday thing, the day after, was my idea for Bob. I went up to him crying and told him that God had told me you should have church in the park the next day so the people that were unchurched, it'd be more... It's easier to come back. Come back instead of going to a building. You know, Bob said, you know, this big six-foot-three guy comes up to you bawling. How can you stop? You know, how can you disobey that? <laughs> Can't deny that one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was a word from God that I gave. That I think has huge eternal ripples. I think that the the family fun day thing, when I get to heaven, I'll I'll get to see the fruition mm-hmm. of that. Not that couldn't tell you how many people we saved or how many people came to Christ in all those years, but mm-hmm. you know, we'll see that in heaven. I'm looking forward to that, too, to get to heaven. Not only my heavenly body, but to see all the people that my life touched that I didn't realize.
0: Get true perspective.
2: Yeah. I I hope we get that. (laughs) I think you will. (laughs) Not that I expect a pat on the back. That makes me sound kind of vain and selfish. Yes, Lord, I did that. Thank you.
0: I think being excited about perspective is cool, though. There's so much you don't get to see here. Right. You just don't know. So I hope that you get perspective. I hope I get perspective. Cause sometimes you think, did that do anything? Yeah.
2: Or you just hope? Well, I'm hoping when we get to heaven we get to like watch the Bible. <laughs> right? Like it's a movie. We get to sit there and watch everything <laughs> that's happened before us. I wow.
1: Want a movie about David. I don't know why they haven't made that one yet. It would be phenomenal.
2: So yeah, I, I think I think that'd be awesome.
1: Well, James, we're so glad that you came and shared with us on the podcast yeah, thank today. You. Thanks. Thank nice you for your vulnerability. It. You know, if, if you're out there listening and you feel like, hey, I have suicidal thoughts or I'm feeling suicidal tendencies or I'm dealing with depression or with anxiety, we want you to know that you're not alone and that there is help out there. There's a suicide hotline in Columbiana County. It's the help network of Northeast Ohio. And everybody needs to know this number. If you are or someone you know and love is contemplating suicide or you're concerned about someone, they can call or you can call 211. It's the help network for Northeastern Ohio. That's all you have to remember. 211. Mm-hmm. They deal with mental health, substance abuse, veterans, food, homelessness, victim assistance, utility assistance, health, housing, special needs, seniors and others. So if you're feeling that way, and you feel like you're alone, you have no one to talk to, call 2-1-1. Also, you know, it's a journey, and we want you to know that there is love and support. And sometimes that support looks like calling 2 one hotlines. Sometimes it looks like calling your friends and your families to pray for you, asking a pastor for a reference for counseling. Sometimes it's medication. Sometimes it's inner healing with our Sozo ministry. If you're interested in that, contact Lynn Hamilton at the church. You don't have yes. to be alone. And we want you to make sure that you reach out and you talk to someone because Jesus loves you. We love you. And there is help out there. Yeah. And you're I'll, not alone. i be a helper.
2: <laughs> and James
1: is a helper, too. So he needs to lend his, his listening ear to you, he would be more than happy to do that. But we just want you to know, if you're out there feeling that way, that you are not alone. And it's been a really difficult season, especially over the past two years that have brought up lots of things that people didn't even realize maybe was inside of them. You're loved. Jesus has more for you and has something better for you. And he will walk that journey with you. But oftentimes, it's not just you and Jesus. It's a community and a support network that helps you get out of that dark place.
2: Amen. Yeah. Jesus loves you. Mm -hmm. So do I.
1: And he'll make you chili.
2: I'll make you chili. (laughs) I won't bake you a cake, though.
1: (laughs) I'll bake you a (laughs) cake. Well, thanks, James. Thank Thank you. you. Make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye. Bye.